Dear little sisters, I'm Bernice. And I'm Lena. Welcome back to our podcast where we will be chatting with interesting women who do interesting things. We are two teens who want to empower young girls by providing role models for them. We hope that these women will show you that anything you want to do is possible and inspire you to dream big. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast and we truly hope you enjoy this episode. Dear little sisters, we are super excited to introduce you to Miss Joyce Chang. Ms. Chang is a longtime journalist who has formerly been the editor-in-chief of The Self magazine. She has also held positions at other publications, including Mary Claire, Cosmopolitan, The New York Times magazine, People, and Allure. Ms. Chang is also currently working on a novel inspired by her family. Thank you so much for coming on to this podcast today. We are so excited to have you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Of course. So our first question is just, can you please tell us about yourself? Um, Well, um, one of the reasons why I wanted to do your podcast, and I was excited when you asked me to do it, is I remember when I was about your age, I knew that I wanted to be a journalist. And so I would ask anybody and everybody if they would let me interview them. And so I really related to your instincts to, you know, sort of take it to the next level. Like back then, I just sat there with my notepad and pen and I would interview anyone who would sit down with me. So I really, I get the instinct um, where you want to ask questions about people and find out more about what people do, how they got there, you know, all the questions that, you know, you probably have on your mind and your listeners have on your mind. I totally have been there. So I'm really happy to chat with you because these are the instincts of journalists. So I have some budding journalists or something in that nature, at least budding podcasters. Yeah, I think that's so funny. I think from the time I was little, I would ask so many questions, so many questions that my parents had to say, Lena, stop asking questions. And I think I've always been that type of person, just keep asking questions because I love asking people about their story and their interests. And that's why I love the podcast because I can just ask questions and people love answering them. So what was your first experience in journalism? What first got you interested? Um. My grandmother and I used to read magazines together, like bedtime stories. So when I was a kid, you know, before I went to bed, when I was like five or six, I can remember just looking at Vogue and looking at, you know, uh, The New Yorker. And like, we literally used to read them together. She would read me articles and we would go through the pages. So it was like a book to me. It was something that I grew up with and like she would read you know, from a magazine as often as she would read from a storybook, as often as she would tell her own stories from her childhood. So it just was something that like was really embedded from a very, very early age. And, um, you know, for fun, like my friends and I, like as we got older, like when I was in middle school, we would just make up magazines and we would, you know, make magazines on the weekends or we'd go into our parents' offices on the weekends so that we could use the typewriter, the computer, and we would, you know, just like bind up magazines for fun. So it's something that I've like always 
enjoyed doing, always wanted to do, and there was never a time when I didn't want to do it. Um, so that's sort of how I, I mean, I was just one of those people who really never had a question. Wow, it seems like journalism has always been part of your life and you've always been exposed to a lot of different forms of creative writing and storytelling, which is awesome. I mean, I sort of had these parallel um, dreams when I was young. I either wanted to be the editor-in-chief of a magazine or I wanted to be a novelist. So, you know, I sort of did the first the first one. I did the first one. And so now I'm working on the second. But, you know, I think that whether it's storytelling, whether it's um, asking questions, I mean, these are applicable things in any aspect of work. And I feel like learning how to be a good listener, learning how to ask insightful questions, learning how to create a narrative is something that everyone can learn how to do and it's useful to everyone. I just happen to be, I happen to be lucky enough to be able to do it professionally. For sure, I love what you said, just listening, asking questions and collaborating. I think those skills just help people in all aspects of life, whether it's in, in the workplace, in school, working with colleagues or just in a group of friends. I think those skills bring you far in life. So. I know you said you're working on a novel. Can you please tell us a little bit more about the novel that you're working on? Um, well, I've always wanted to write a novel about my family. Um, as I said, my grandmother always had the most interesting stories at bedtime. And I always wanted to know about um, her childhood as she was growing up a girl in China in the 1920s. She went through such an incredible period of history and um, she just had such incredible stories that I always knew that I wanted to tell them. And I studied creative writing when I was in college. Um, I went to Princeton and I was an English major with a creative writing certificate. And something that I struggled with when I was um, at school was I, I never had a sense of who the narrator was. I always had a hard time writing the main character. And the reason was because I never really wanted to make my character Asian um, or Chinese because I always felt then immediately my book became a book about, my story became a story about race when I just wanted to tell a story, a story about love, a story about a family, a story about friendship. Um, you know, I wanted to write the great American novel and it was just something that I felt really, um, I felt, I just found it really difficult to navigate um, because I didn't want it to be only, you know, for Asian people, a story about Chinese people, a story about a Chinese family. But at the same time, I never wanted to, I never felt it was authentic to write a main character, um, from another background, you know, it wasn't true to my experience. I wasn't going to write a white character. Um, and so what I ended up doing was writing these sort of vague, anonymous main characters, but you know, like that's just, there, there just wasn't the right connection. And that was actually one of the reasons why I went into journalism, because I felt like it was easier to write other people's stories than to figure out my own. Um, and I think one of the great things um, that has changed since I was your age, since I was in college, is 
there is just so much more space for writers and for different point of, points of view. And people really are looking for those diverse stories. And, you know, like it just never occurred to me that I could write a universal story that was also from my point of view. And it wasn't until, you know, very late in life, you know, when I was an adult, that that sort of occurred to me. So, you know, this is like my own revelation that's come. And I just think it's such a fortunate thing to be, you know, your age where there are so many opportunities and you are such like, you are part of a much more um, global creative community and world that, you know, you have, you have that sort of built in that, you know, people are looking to you for your own stories and what's special about you is the essence of your story so i'm a little late to that game so that's sort of how i've come to write this at this point in time yeah i really liked how you mentioned that when writing about your heritage it doesn't always have to be about race i feel like a lot of the times in books and in the media when minorities are portrayed it's everything is about their culture and i think it's really important to also just showcase people of different minorities and different ethnic groups as normal um individuals in society i think that's really important and i also think you know just like i'm in los angeles and you know it's the hub of entertainment in hollywood and you know i've had a lot of conversations since i've been out here and you know people will be like well what about tv do you think about writing for tv and you know it just never occurred to me you know because representation and the imagination gap is a really real thing you know coming up you know the only real reference point of writers that i had was amy tan um or maxine hong kingston um there were just so 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 few and there were zero tv writers zero movie writers i mean i still couldn't name one um so i feel like it's important that um for those of us who have platforms who for those of us who have creative aspirations and ambitions that you know we really you know put ourselves out there so that we can bridge that imagination gap so that you know younger um younger women uh girls coming up can look and say oh I see myself there. I can see someone who looks like me there. I can see someone who has a family background like me there. I can see my story being told there. And I feel like this is something that is doable and within reach for me. Um, I think particularly in the Asian American community, the Asian community, you know, we see a lot of doctors and lawyers and people who go into business and finance and science and engineering and you don't see as many going into the arts um, or into creative pursuits. And I get a lot um, of questions when I do speaking um, from Asian Americans, younger Asian Americans in the audience who always ask, you know, well, what do your parents think about what you do? Like, are they okay with all of this? And I, you know, think it's important that, you know, we, just as we educate ourselves, we also educate the older generation that like, yes, you can actually make your way in a, in a creative pursuit. And it is a credible and legitimate profession 
and also a really satisfying one. Um, so I think that that there's some like education and awareness around um, creativity and creative uh, professions, both for generations coming up and the generations ahead. Definitely. I think representation, especially in media, is so important because it makes people feel connected and just a part of a community. And when there's not that representation, there's definitely a sense of detachment and barriers arise. I think when your experiences are connected with others' experiences, it's so powerful because it allows people to find common ground and to see similarities within each other. I mean, I think it's important to tell just sort of everyday, true, ordinary stories about the lives that we lead. And, you know, there isn't normal anymore. There isn't anything that's truly, quote unquote, all American anymore, because, you know, America is such a diverse um place and it is a country of immigrants it is a country of many cultures it is a country of you know people who come from all over the world who um practice all sorts of different faiths and all sorts of different lifestyles and have all sorts of different traditions and you know there's all sorts of intersections and also divergent points so like just as we get up every morning and we you know, go to work or go to school and come home and see our families, you know, these are sort of the universal things that we all share and experience, but there are also, you know, particularities and unique aspects and things that we share with only some people and things that are foreign and different from other people. And that is all, you know, part of the spectrum of like the American experience. And so just sort of like, understanding that like there are many ways in which we live similar lives to our neighbors and you know people that we don't know across the country and then there are ways in which we really like have spe special unique characteristics that you know we celebrate as well so like those two things really actually are what make good stories like the ways in which we can be universal and the ways we can be unique in the ways we can tell something only that only we can tell. Definitely. I think we're super fortunate to be surrounded by so many different people, so many different backgrounds and walks of life. And seeing people, we can open our doors to a whole new world of possibility. And we can practice our own cultures, but also appreciate others. Um, and I think being able to understand and see people's differences is really, really powerful and can bring us very far. And I think that interacting with people who are similar to you um, help, helps us and supports us, but interacting with people that are different from you pushes us and helps us grow. Definitely, I think there's like, I think, you know, the most successful people are a combination, they derive their strength from a combination of support and being pushed. And um, that's how we become bigger, better, and, you know, expand our horizons and what we're capable of. Yeah, so I know you often write um, in the voice of your family and kind of about your culture and embracing your culture. Have you found that your writing connects your experiences to other Asian Americans? Um, you know, this is all very new to me because as I, you know, my whole career, I have written, I've been a journalist 
and I haven't really written about myself. I've just written stories um, about other people, about you know trends, about culture, um, and I haven't really written personally, particularly. Um, and if I did write personally, you know, I was writing, you know, a style essay, or I was writing, you know, an essay about food or something like that. It was like a different. It was a. It was about doing something, for instance. But it was never, you know, really about myself, my family, my history, my background. Um, and during the pandemic, with all of the anti-Asian um, violence and all the headlines. I felt really moved to say something, you know, like there's a, uh, there's a motto in New York City. Um, I have a place in New York where I'm based and I'm currently based in Los Angeles, but in New York, all of the subways, they always say, see something, say something. And I have always sort of like adopted that for myself. Like if I see something that is not right, I feel I need to say something. Um, and while we have been in lockdown, um, I've written several pieces from my own personal um, experience with, you know, how I have, you know, witnessed and experienced this time. Um, and it has connected me um, so much more than I ever have with my own Asian American identity. You know, I never, I didn't give it a lot of thought growing up, you know, like I was really just focused on, you know, the everyday aspects of my life. You know, when I was your age, I was just thinking about school and I was thinking about my friends and I was thinking about, you know, getting into college and, you know, having a boyfriend and all those things. You know, I wasn't thinking about like, where do I fit into my culture? If anything, like I sort of felt like my culture was a little bit of a drag because like my parents were so strict and they were so demanding and had such high expectations. And really, I just wanted to like have fun in high school. Um, but, you know, as I've gotten older and particularly, you know, in the last couple of years and specifically within the pandemic, I feel like I've, I've grown a lot and learned a lot about my own culture and where I come from, in addition to the book that I'm working on. Um, and in connecting to the topic and in writing about the topic, um, I did a piece for the New York Times, I did a piece for Birdie, and then I also did a piece for Mary Claire. Um, in writing those pieces and putting them out there, I felt so deeply connected to the community as well because I just got so much feedback. I mean, like my Instagram, my DMs were like inundated with Asian, with Asians and non-Asians alike, um, you know, sharing their support, sharing their questions, um, sharing their experiences. And, you know, I heard from, you know, Asian Europeans Asians in Australia, Asians in New Zealand, people in Africa. I mean, like literally people from all over the world were watching what was happening in the US and, you know, had really personal responses to it. And that was something that was so meaningful to me. You know, like I've always been a writer for a magazine or a paper or a publication. And, you know, like I wrote for that publication. 
I never really wrote for myself. Um, and this was the first time that I really got such direct feedback about a piece that was so directly personal to me. So it has been a really um, eye-opening experience for me, you know, so progressed in my career, um, I've never really experienced anything like it. And I would just say that like, in terms of a career, like you're always growing, you should always be having firsts, you should always be experiencing new depths. And like, you never really know when when that new depth will occur, when that new experience will sort of surface. And um, I feel really, you know, I feel like it's been such an, it's been such a difficult time and a difficult year, but I am grateful to have been able to learn so much from it too. I think that's so powerful. When you see something, you should say something about it. And when you witness these issues around you, it's so important to speak out, even what, especially when there are issues that just aren't discussed enough and people need to hear about it. And obviously people connect a lot with your writing. It definitely resonates with them. And I think in general, writing connects people. So I know you mentioned that from an early age, you always wanted to be the editor of a magazine and you've always wanted to be a novelist, but you've also worked at a lot of different publications. Um, so as a writer and a journalist, what does your everyday life look like? Um, well, you know, it was different. I mean, the life of a journalist is just a very, it's just very varied. And so like you never really have a typical day, which is something that I like, you know, like I don't like to be trapped behind a desk all day. Sometimes I like to sit and edit my work and I find that to be very peaceful and I find that I enjoy the control of that. You know, when you're really sort of like honing a piece and you're really getting into the text and you're making your sentences really perfect, like that's a really satisfying experience. And I used to, you know, sometimes have to like block out time on my calendar where I would just, you know, have uninterrupted time where there were no meetings and I wasn't going here or going there where I could just sit at my desk and do that kind of work. But, you know, also like part of being a journalist is like being out there in the world, seeing things, doing things, meeting people. Um, so like, I think part of your job as a journalist is also to just like say yes to a lot of things and go to do and see a lot of things you know as a journalist you know you go to screenings you see a lot of you try to see theater you try to take in as much culture you try to um go to as many restaurants and you go to parties and you know i always would say i mean actually this started when i was um at the New York Times, my uh, editor told me the best way, the best way to be a good journalist is to have a life and have a lot of interests and to pursue those interests. And she never wanted me sitting at the office working late. She wanted me out in the world. And that was such a powerful lesson and piece of advice for me um, that I have, you know, tried to carry that with me, not only personally, but also to um, cultivate that in all of the, you know, teams I've worked with and the staffs that I've overseen, I've always just emphasized how important it is to have a life, um, and to have a lot of curiosity and to have a lot of passions and to like actually pursue those things in addition to, you know, having some, you know, element of balance in your life. Like, 
I, you know, have worked at amazing brands, amazing media outlets, amazing publications um, with really talented, gifted, brilliant, driven, hardworking people. Like to be a journalist, it just takes so much work and effort. Um, and it's hard to turn that off, you know, like you're so driven by the story and you're so sort of like, you know, there's like a certain uh, competition that, you know, the scoop really like motivates a journalist. Like we like it, we love it, we live for it. And so like, it's always been, um, you know, kind of a, a challenge to make people leave the office sometimes. It's a challenge to make people go home. It's a challenge to tell people if you're sick, stay home, you know, take, take all your vacation days, you know, get some rest. Like, I don't want you coming in super early in the morning and I don't want you staying super late because like, I want you to be rested so that you can have, you know, clear thoughts and good ideas and to think through the things that you're doing so that you're actually like really, um, well-rounded and you're really clear so that you can be the best journalist, the best editor, the best designer, whatever your position is, you know, to be the best version of yourself, you actually have to be a really healthy version of yourself. Um, and that's something that I learned, you know, later in my career too, that rest is important because you need to recharge so that you can, you know, have those great ideas and have the stamina to be able to execute them. Definitely. And I love how from what you said, it seems like there's two different parts of journalism. And one part of it is just sitting at a desk and working on the writing and then the whole editing process. But the other half is really just having all of these different experiences. I mean, writing and journalism especially really takes you to a lot of different places. And that's how you're going to find the inspiration to keep writing. I think that's really interesting. I mean, I think one of the best things that um, the same boss at the New York Times told me was that, you know, you never really stop working when you're a journalist because you're always asking questions and you're always sort of following your nose. And I actually felt like she was like, if you're ever at a party and you feel insecure, just drop right back into like journalist mode, you know, like go to work. And you go to work by asking questions and looking for interesting people. And, you know, it's this thing that also like, it's a skill that helps you just like deal with your life. If you can sort of always put on your journalist hat, you'll always be curious. And you'll, you're, you're not hung up on like your own insecurities or like, should I be talking to this person? Should I not be talking to this person? What do they think of me? Or, you know, whatever those sort of like socially anxious thoughts that we have, like if you just put on your journalist hat, it just gives you this confidence and you're out there to sort of like hear stories and find stories and everybody loves to talk about stories. So you really sort of meet on this like equal footing and like that's like a little trick that I've always taken with me that like wherever you go, on journalist hat and you have sort of carte blanche to ask any questions and to introduce yourself to anyone because you know you're you're playing the role of journalist i love what you said and i love the mindset that when you're talking to people you're just listening to a story or just asking a question i and sometimes in social scenarios 
we get a little bit nervous, whether it's just with one person or in a group setting, but just having that mindset of I'm hearing a story or I'm asking a question can definitely give us a level of security. And I think all of the in the field experiences and personal experiences makes us right from the heart, from our firsthand experiences, rather than from a secondhand source, like something we read or something we watched, but really just writing from the heart. I mean, my first byline at the time was, you know, I spent so much time on it because it felt like such a big deal. It was finally, you know, having my name in the New York Times. So many people were going to read it. And, you know, I would get to the office at six o'clock in the morning to work on it before anyone else was there. And I, you know, I just... I just reported it so much. And by the way, it was a beauty story. You know, I like reported it like it was like Watergate. Like I was just so excited and invested in it and I wanted it to be so great. And I handed in my first draft to my editor and she kicked it back to me and she was like, this is overreported, and I want to hear your voice. Like, I want you to tell me a story. Like, I don't want all these facts and figures and you know all this stuff that just weighs it down like I want to hear a story and I want you to go back and I want you to write this as if you were telling your mom at the kitchen table and I think so often particularly when we're young we write and we try to present ourselves as so impressive and older and wiser and in the style of you know, someone that you've read before in the style of someone you admire and, you know, the way you sort of think about your own future, you know, you want to be the next whomever, the next Joan Didion, the next, um, you know, Ronan Farrow, whatever it is, when actually, you know, the goal should be to be the best version of yourself. And that script is yet to be written. That story is yet to be written because you have to write it. Um, and so like what you're striving for is not to be the next, but to be the first and best version of yourself. Of course, I really like that. I like that you said how journalism isn't always just about reporting exactly what happened and all the facts that you have to be able to extract meaning from it and really emphasize why it's important. Definitely, I think when I write, especially for speech and debate, I get into a lot of the nitty gritty. This happened in this year and this percent and this state. But I think the big picture and your personal opinion on that topic is so powerful. The facts and figures are definitely important, but I think people gravitate to the stories that are personal and meaningful to the heart. And I saw a quote the other day, if you try to be someone else, you become bitter, but if you try to be the best version of yourself, it makes you better or something like that. But I think it nicely sums it up because you're always going to be yourself and that's a beautiful thing. And embracing that is what definitely leads to personal growth. I mean, I think the goal in writing is always clarity. You know, if you can get clear about what it is that you want to say, what you're trying to say, what you want the audience to receive, you know, all the facts and figures, you know, that somehow then becomes in support of this vision that you have. And you learn because you're thinking about, well, how do I make my point in the clearest possible way that is easily received by, you know, the person across from me, the person who's reading this. Um, when you start sort of 
putting yourself in that position, the writing becomes easier because you're not posturing, you're not trying to, you know, make it sound a certain way. You're actually just making a point. And I think so much of that, you know, so much of that gets lost because we get really wrapped up in all this other stuff. But if you just sort of get clear with yourself about what it is you're trying to say, you know, when I'm editing, when I've edited in the past, you know, younger or less experienced writers, you know, what the issue almost always comes down to is like, well, what are you trying to say and how are you going to say it in the most succinct way? And if we can sort of edit ourselves in that way by asking ourselves that hard question, like, can you just like make one sentence that says what you're trying to say and then like build against it? Like we would just have so much less confusion and everything would be so much simpler. That's such a good point. And I think clarity is so important. I mean, it's something that we all hear in English class that concise writing is good writing, but it's so true. And I, I find that a lot of writers, when they start out, they tend to write too much and use a lot of flowery language and long words, but it's important to keep it short and simple. And that's what's actually going to be impactful. Thank you so much for listening to this episode today. We really hope you enjoyed. Stay tuned for part two.